at Life Church, and I get the, the privilege of uh, closing our series of I Will Follow. And I suppose you, you may not have noticed, it, it, I suppose it could be quite easy to miss, but there's a reasonably significant event coming up for the life of our country next month, uh, and that's our general election where we elect the new government. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to get into politics tonight. <laughs> Someone says, yep, good. But I think regardless of where you stand in that, I think that this year in particular has really shown us um, the significance. It's really shown us that whoever leads a party has a really significant impact on the public's viewpoint of that party. All right? Like I think, and not just in our election, but in some elections just been, it's really highlighted to us the importance of having a leader and how that can change the way we see something. You know, because we like to follow leaders. We like to have something to follow. And I think because as humans, we're, we're designed to be relational. We're designed to connect with one another. I think we gravitate, to, gravitate towards people. And we like to follow a person rather than like an idea or a concept. Because the thing is, following is something that we do every day. We do it quite naturally. You know, we follow social norms. We follow dress codes. We follow directions on GPS. You know, we follow people on social media, athletes, you know, actors, things like that, people of influence. And I really enjoy using Instagram, right? That's definitely my favorite social media platform. But every now and then, I'll see a, a post from someone I follow, you know, and I'm sure you guys are the same, or you'll see that Facebook post, or someone's got that snap story that like, takes up four days to get through. And you just have to think to yourself, do I really want to still be following this person? Like, are they still worth me following? And I think every time we follow something, we still need to ask that question. Are they worth following them? Are they worth following them? And if I, if I follow them, am I going to lead a better life? If I follow them, is my leadership going to get better? If I follow them, are the people around me going to continue to be blessed? Because when you follow something, you are allowing that thing to have influence in your life. You are trusting that thing that you're following to lead you in a direction that you're okay with. And so they have influence over your life. And so you need to ask yourself, are they worth following? Are they worth following? And we've been talking this last month about following Jesus, making the active decision every day to, to follow him. But we need to ask the question, or maybe sometimes we need to be reminded, why is Jesus worth following? What makes Jesus worth following? Because Jesus made some pretty big claims about himself and about you and me. He made some big claims, and I'll just rattle off a, a few of them for you here. He says, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you'll have the light that leads to life. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. In youth, we've been talking about this idea of having an abundant life, a life abundant. Or another one, he calls his sheep by name and leads them out, and they follow him because they know his voice. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. One of his more important ones, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me will have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but have passed from death to life. Um, another one Carl mentioned this morning, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, and in light of these claims about Jesus that he makes, when we think about statements like that, the decision as to is he worth following becomes a whole lot more important. It becomes a whole lot more significant because 
these claims could not only affect our lives now, but our lives for all eternity and the lives of the people around us. And so for the next 15 minutes or so, I'd like to just take you on a little bit of a journey um, that you need your imagination for. So I need you just to cooperate a little bit, have some imagination. If you don't have an imagination, the sermon's going to flop. So if it flops, I can blame you guys. Um, So for the next 15 minutes, everyone in this room is a diehard basketball fan. Okay, every, <laughs> two people are with me. Everyone in this room is now a diehard basketball fan. All right, you know every player. You know every player's partner. You know every player's children. You know all their stats. You know where every team comes from. You know who's got the rivalry. You know all the drama. All right, for the next 15 minutes, ball is life for you guys. All right. And I'm going to make a claim about myself in a minute, which will make sense soon. So just roll with me on this. All right, so here it is. This, this is a claim. It's going to shock. I am the son of Michael Jordan. I I know, the resemblance is uncanny. I am the son of Michael Jordan. Yeah, you don't need much imagination for that. So Michael Jordan, you know, one one of the greatest basketball players of all time, and I I am his son. That's a pretty big claim to make about myself. And because you're all diehard basketball fans now, you need to know if this is true or not. All right, this is big drama. Some of you are tweeting it already. Like, you know, you, 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 you need to find out if this is legit. Or not. This is a big deal. But in the room, there are three possible reactions that you may be having. Okay, three possible reactions. The first one, I'm lying. You're going, Jono, come on, man. We, we know your parents. You know, your, your skin color's totally off. We know you're totally lying. That you're, you're not the son of Michael Jordan. Please stop lying to us. That's the first reaction you might have. The second reaction, that I'm, that I'm crazy. You go, actually, you, you, you're pretty convinced that you're the son of Michael Jordan, but we know you're not, and you've just sniffed a few too many new pairs of shoes, all right? And, like, it's just gone a bit crazy. So you, you, you've lost it a little bit. And then the third reaction you might have is you might believe me, and you go, actually, no, you're telling the truth. You're telling the truth. And those are three reactions you could expect from, from people whenever someone makes a claim like that. And those three reactions are the same reactions that Jesus received from the people of Israel 2,000 years ago. Either he was lying, he was crazy, or he was telling the truth. And so let's go through them. And actually, before I do that, it's actually the same reactions that people can have towards Jesus still today. And so let's go through them, right? So... Let's roll through this scenario. I go, all right, I'm the son of Michael Jordan. I start going around telling people. I start, I'm, I'm looking the part. I've got the latest Air Jordans. Like, I'm, I'm rocking out on the basketball court. I'm stepping all the gators up. Like, and, you know, and, and I start telling people this, and, and people start to believe me and everything. But then Carl catches whiff of what's going on. He hears me spreading this rumor around about who I am. So he calls me into his office. He goes, Jono? And sits me down in his office, and he's not alone, all right? The whole senior leadership team's there. Paul Bennett, Paul Cargill, Kathy, Dave, they're all there, you know, um, all sitting around in the office. And they sit me down, and they go, Jono, if you don't stop telling people that you're the son of Michael Jordan, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill In fact, we, we might beat you, we might torture you first, and then we'll hang you up in front of Levita for everyone to see. Now... If I was lying about who I was, if I was lying, if I was going around telling this ruse, there is no way I'm dying for that. I'm guys, guys, you got me, my bad. Like, of course I'm not the son of Michael Jordan. You know, I'll, I'll stop. Because there's no way I'm lying, uh, dying for something that I know is a lie. 
And the thing is, Jesus faced that same thing, not just once, but multiple times where he was dragged into court and said, you need to stop telling people that you're the son of God under the threat of death. But every time he stood his ground, he said, no, this is who I am. I've told you who I am and I'm sticking by it. And so I don't think we can really say that Jesus was lying about who he said he was. No sane person would go to their grave for something that they know to be a lie. And so you go, well, okay, Jono, well, maybe he was insane. Maybe he was a little bit crazy. You know, he'd been a carpenter for 30 years, and so maybe the sawdust had gone to his head. And he just lost, and he did truly think he was the son of God, but actually he was just a bit nuts. But the thing is, then you look at his life. You look at the things that he said, the wisdom he taught with, the understanding he had, the way he was able to break down any arguments that came against him. Right? It says in the Bible that people followed him not just because of, uh, because of his understanding, but the authority that he spoke with. Right? There was an authenticity about his life. There was an authority to the way he spoke that people were drawn to. The fact that 2,000 years later, his teachings are still some of the greatest pieces of leadership and wisdom that we have, and we still analyze them and apply them to our lives today. I don't think when you look at a man like that that you can truly go... I, I, I don't think you can say that that man was crazy. I would say that's actually a bigger leap of faith to say that he was crazy. And so he wasn't lying. He wasn't crazy. So the only other option we're really left with is that maybe he was telling the truth. I suppose there's a fourth option actually is that he didn't exist at all but almost every historian will tell you that that's garbage, all right? It's a well-historically documented fact that a man called Jesus lived at that time, taught, and then was executed at the hands of the Romans. So the question is not whether he existed. The question is, will they follow him? And once we get to that realization, perhaps he was telling the truth. Then we realize all of a sudden that those claims Jesus made about himself carry a whole lot more significance for you and me today. It means that when we follow Jesus, we no longer have to walk in darkness because we have the light that leads to light. Some of us here need to be reminded we don't have to continue walking in darkness. We don't have to continue walking in shame and in brokenness because we have the light that leads to life. And it's not just any old life, but it's a full life, an abundant life, a life that's overflowing. When you follow Jesus, you don't have to meander or cruise through life. You're given a full and an abundant life, an abundant life that even when you go through hard times, there's still joy in your words. There's still hope in your actions. There's still healing in the way you do things. Living an abundant life, I think, can be one of the greatest testimonies you can have in your area of influence. That as you continue on following Jesus through every storm, through every trial, through whatever comes your way, the consistency that you can have, people will look at your life and go, there's a foundation there that I need. You're standing on a rock. And you can go, yep, that rock is Jesus, because I will follow him. It means that you're not alone, as we read before. It says that you're known by name, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. It says that his sheep know his voice. It means he'll lead you, and you'll hear his voice. It means that your soul will never be thirsty again. Your spirit will always be full. It means that regardless of your past, your mistakes, your background, Your ethnicity, your sexual orientation, your circumstance, none of those things need to be your identity anymore because as we heard this morning, your identity is that you're a son or a daughter of God. And it means that following Jesus means you will spend an eternity with him. 
that you're no longer bound by the things of your past, your sin or your shame, but you can follow him with confidence in the promises that he says, that he'll be with you always. And so when we ask the question, is Jesus worth following? I don't know about you, but I want to have an abundant life. I want to have a life that's full. I want to live following Jesus, knowing that I'm a son of God, that I can walk in that confidence knowing who I belong to. I mean, if I was really the son of Michael Jordan, I can guarantee you my Christmas list would be a whole lot longer, not because of anything I've done, but because who my father was, all right? And when you understand that you're a son or a daughter of God, your prayer life should change, all right? The things that you're willing to believe for should change. The faith that you have should change. Your prayers should be different, not because of what you've done, but because of who your father is. I want to live seeing people get healed around me seeing people delivered from the things that they're struggling with, seeing people live in light. I want to follow the guy that raises people from the dead, the man who heals the sick, who delivers the broken, who gives hope to the hopeless. That is who I want to follow. When I follow Jesus, I allow him to have influence over my life. I know that my life then cannot help but get, get better. That is the kind of leader that I want to follow, and I will follow Jesus. And I hope that as we close this series, that that is the decision that you will make also. That every day you'll go, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. That I understand that I am a child of God. I'm a son, I'm a daughter, and I'm loved and accepted by him. That my future is not bound by the things that I do now, but the thing that he's already done. And that I will follow him. And I'd just like to invite our panel members to come join the stage. We're going to hear from... um, an amazing lady and her story about following Jesus. So can we give them a hand as they come up? Awesome. Oh, thanks for that, Jono. Um, so my name is Julia. I'm also on team here. And this is, this is Ting. She's the amazing lady that we're going to hear from tonight. <laughs> she's, isn't she? She's also a Seven and a half months pregnant at the moment. And isn't she beautiful? Seven months. Seven months. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't she look amazing? Very cool. So we went for the comfier chairs today, so we didn't make (laughs) the pregnant lady crawl into the stalls, climb up onto them. Um, But Ting told me her story uh, probably about a year and a half ago now. Yeah. yeah, and I was I was just really I was really personally really impacted by it, and um, you know so tonight we thought rather than having a panel and have a few people tell their story, we thought we'd actually just kind of take a few moments and and hear from Ting around actually what was her journey and why she made this personal decision to follow Jesus and what what the implications have kind of been on her life since then. So would anyone else like to hear that story? Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so Ting, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yep. Um, so. I grew up in a, a, a broken family, like probably quite a lot of people. And my life story probably will start before even I was born. Um, I, when I was born, like uh, probably a year old or less than that, I don't have any memory of my mum and dad together ever um, because they sort of divorced after pretty much straight after I was born. So I was growing up with my dad and... Um, so the story I heard before I was born from my stepmom's side was, um, man, no one actually wanted me. <laughs> mm. Um, so my, my, my stepmom saying, see, like, your mom 
didn't want you, so that's why you're staying with us. And she didn't even want to um, have you. And it, when I was like that age, really, really young, I couldn't even remember how old I was when I heard those, those kind of words spoken to me. And um, so I don't, um, I didn't have a chance to grow up with my mom. The only time that I could visit her was uh, school holiday. So when I had chance to go there and um, tell, talk to my mom, I said, well, mom, is that true that you didn't want me? And so she was sort of saying, yes, that was true. And when I pregnant, I didn't want it to have another child because um, I had a three sisters already. And um, their marriage wasn't in a good shape. And my mom said, I actually tried to have abortions three times. And um, just miraculously, every time, and there's some reason, either a technical issues or there was no power or the weather was so cold, everything was frozen. But whatever the reason, that um, until the time that's probably it's too late to have abortion. And then there I was, and I just couldn't, um, I couldn't comprehend, I think, at the time that, you know, all the family and, you know, between adults, what it means. But deep down in my heart, I felt I wasn't wanted. And then my mom said, well, the fact that after I give birth to you, that found out, you were a girl, and all he wanted was a boy. So he didn't want it to. He wanted to give you away. And so my mom's, I have to, I have to grab you and run and to hide, and so you won't be given away. And and that's the story that I grew up with. In my heart, I felt, I you know, if nobody nobody wanted me, why I was here? And um, what what was the purpose of my existence? And so this that sense of who or why I'm here, who I really am, my identity was so confused. Mm. And, um, and plus the family that I grew up in that environment was my dad was quite um, strict. And I think he just didn't know the way how express love in that kind of generation. And there was a lot of brokenness in me through um, the years that I was growing up and I came to New Zealand with all this brokenness and confusion in me. And then that was the time that I started making a lot of bad choices for my own life. So you were about 18. You moved here to study at Canterbury University, didn't you? Um, I started, yeah, yeah. started at school, um, um, the language school and then sort of foundation study. And, and so I was started looking for the love that I wanted or I needed in my heart at all the wrong places and hoping that I could find answer to fulfill what I needed in my life. And But of course, it's only lead from disaster to disaster. And um, so it came to a point that I felt, felt I was so broken um, emotionally, physically and spiritually. I was sort of... Um, going out and um, not living a life that probably I'm proud of, but that's all I knew at the time. And, and then I, I felt I was at the bottom of my life. I couldn't, I couldn't live like that anymore. Mm. And um, so I started reading a lot of self-help books. 
I figured I probably need to help myself. <laughs> and um, so reading all these books uh, give me the knowledge, but it hasn't given me the power to change myself. Mm. And so my friend, um, a good friend at the time, she's like, you know, you're looking for answers. I think I've got answer for you. Mm. <laughs> um, come to our church, and this might be the place that you can find the things that you need. And, you know, if it's not, you don't lose anything. So I went to church with her. And then the minute that I stepped into that place, I just felt my heart was so overwhelmed with love. And I know that um, that was a place that I was belong, you know, I, supp- I, I should be. And so I think that that's, yeah, everything's I just haven't stepped outside of church. And that was about 10 years ago. Mm. And um, through all this time and just sort of learning myself, my identity in Christ and know that funny enough, um, what Carl was saying this morning, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, mm. really revolutionized my thinking about myself and know that I am here for a reason and mm. God actually made me and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm. It's not, I'm not wanted um, or rejected. And that's change how I look myself. Mm-hmm. And so to know that there is a father in heaven knows the number of my hair. Yeah. And he cares every little detail of my life. Even like to this day, my mom and dad, they still don't remember my birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, so, you know, I just, but at this point, I can just, we have this peace in my heart. I, I love them. Mm. I just, I think God has done so much healing in my mm. heart. And even my stepmom, I love them. And I, I know that they probably didn't make right or good choices at the time from my perspective and for my life consequences. But I think they did their best to love, the, love me the way they know how yeah. at the time. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so, Teng, why did, why do you choose to follow Jesus? Um, that's, uh, I think, follow Jesus is not uh, just 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 a decision. It's it's because I'm so deeply attracted to Him. Mm. It's not so much uh, of my effort trying to follow Him. When I really get to know him, I know his power, his love, his loving kindness towards me. The more I know about him and myself in him, and I just couldn't stop taking my eyes off him. Mm. But if you fall in love with someone, and you can't stop thinking or following that person. Mm. yeah. And, um, and then I guess God is real in my life, and because I experience his transformation in my life and the way how I see things and then the wonderful blessing he brought it to my life after I have um, either through other people's choices or my own choices mm. and he's still able to give me um, beautiful ashes no matter what happened in the past and he is in control mm. 
and he has a plan, a better plan than what I have for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And, um, yeah, you guys will know um, Michael um, Tang's husband and obviously the beautiful family and stuff at the moment. And if you get a chance, we've sort of run out of time now, but if you get a chance, Tang would love to share more about her story because there's, there's so much more than what we can cover in 10 minutes. But um, she is a woman who has truly been transformed by the love of God and has got her an incredible heart for other people and, and sharing what she has found and just the, that restorative power of God within her life with other people. So, yeah, um, yeah so thank you so much for, for sharing with us. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so just as the team come back, um, I'd just love if we could could stand stand together. and We're just going to take a couple of moments, and even if you're here for the first time tonight or if you've been with us uh, for the month, I'd just, just encourage you to kind of reflect on what does I will follow mean for you? What, is, what does this relationship with Jesus look like for you? And for many of us here, it means a, rela- a personal relationship with a loving God who, who we have encountered, who has done incredible things in our life and that we live out of a place that is really grateful to him for all that he has done. And we want to we wanna live in that, that daily walking, that daily relationship with him. You know, maybe this might be a new thing and I just encourage you in this time as we sing a couple of songs, you know, maybe it's something you want to kind of think and reflect on and go, what are the things that are important to you? And, and actually, what could this maybe look like for you? Or maybe you're here tonight and, and you're really just wanting to encounter God. You're really just needing some breakthrough or, or there's something you'd love some people to stand and, and pray with you. We'd just love to open up the front and have a time where, you know, just if you want to come forward for anything, we'd love to pray with you. But, um, yeah, let's just take a couple of moments and, and pray and just really ask God to speak to us here in this place tonight. Father God, we just thank you so much for Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you would send your son, that you would love us so much, that you would show us what you are like in the form of a man, that through him you would teach us about you and about the kind of life and relationship that we can have with you. And, and we, just, we just pray, Lord, that you'll come here tonight. God, that you will speak to us. Lord, that as we stop and as we still our hearts and as we listen, that you'll help us to encounter you, help us to connect with you, help us to connect with your kingdom in the name of Jesus.